Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there guys, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast, thanks for joining me for another week. Uh, this week's show with the original guest, Josh Harris, the uh, marathon Australian representative, 29 minute 10k guy, 64 minute half marathon guy, but been injured for the last six months. Um, really wanted to get him on the show, really haven't spoken to him for a while, so it was a good opportunity for both of us to catch up and yeah, I think it's really important that we get people on the show when they're going through ups and downs, not just uh, when they're running really good and Josh is a great example of uh, someone who's been through some pretty high highs and some pretty low lows in the last 12 months. So uh, grateful that he gave some opportunity to be on the show and yeah, shared some shared the bit of his story and how he's tracking. Please, if you got the opportunity, it won't take really long to reach out to Josh. He kind of speaks about how um, when you're not running really well, the the interactions, especially online, just seem to drop off, and, and people don't want to really know you as much as they once did. So, I think here at Tell Me Your Tales, we've got a pretty good community that we're slowly building, and I think there's some uh, amazing listeners who have some really good stories themselves, and are, and are really passionate about sport and health and well-being and all those kind of things. So. If you guys could take 30 seconds out of your day and hit up Josh on one of the socials, I think he'd really appreciate that. And yeah, just say you heard him here on Tell Me Your Tales and you enjoyed it or you didn't enjoy it or um, yeah, you were thinking about him or hearing him got you through your run that probably half of you guys are on at the moment. So thanks guys and enjoy this chat with Josh Harris. back welcome uh josh harris you're the first guest and now i think i'm up to maybe episode like 60 or something and uh we've got you back on the show welcome mate yeah thanks brady it's good to be back on it's probably been nearly six months i reckon since i've been on last i was just thinking about this this morning when i was running so you were the first guest and then i think we got you on maybe just after you got selected for the Australian team to go to the World Champs at London, and then you came on after that as well to tell us about it. And now, oh, and you did make a bit of a cameo appearance when we uh, did a bit of Road to Berlin stuff, so this must be uh, appearance number five. 
Yeah, I think there was like a pre and a, a two-part interview to start with there, and yeah. you were down at Lonnie 10 as well, so I've, I've been on a few times, that's for sure. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember doing that one in the hotel room, but that's good, and that probably goes into the reason why I uh, wanted to have you on again was because, I don't know, sometimes I think mainstream media kind of stuff, people are performing well or kind of the flavour of the month and we hear all about them and then sometimes when injuries strike or things aren't going well in people's lives, we kind of just cut them off and forget about them. But considering we've got a podcast-like format, it was uh, important for me to for, to cover people when they're at their highs and, and their lows. So, yeah, I kind of reached out to you and thanks for giving some time to, to share what's been happening through probably a low part of your career. Yeah, no worries, mate. I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, it's a, it's a good point you raise there. Like, um, in that phase, I guess, where I was on the show pretty regularly, like, I was doing a lot of media and, you know, you'd get fans messaging you pretty much on the daily, whereas at the moment things are pretty low-key and you can definitely tell just by things like social media interactions. Not that I've been using it as much as normal, but, you know, you can definitely, you can definitely tell when you kind of, um, the flavour of the month, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe just in case listeners, we've picked up a few listeners since uh, you've on you've been on the show last time. But maybe do you want to reintroduce yourself. I know I yep. usually get the guests to do this, and you probably don't need to do it again. But just in case people haven't listened or uh, yeah haven't gone back and heard those episodes yet. Yep. Uh, so I'm Josh Harris, a 27 year old marathon runner from Launceston down in Tassie. Um, I was. Selected to run in the World Champs last year in London. Um, things were going really well in the lead-up, ran a couple of PBs, 10K half marathon and whatnot. Um, and then overseas, two weeks prior to the race, I um, got a stress fracture in my talus bone and um, had to withdraw from the World Champs after 28K. Um, and then um, it's been a battle with the injury ever since and... Currently, right now, I'm about 10 days post-surgery, so still on the outer. Yeah, right. Give us some time, mate. Just go through your 10, your half, and marathon PB again, just to freshen people's minds. Yep. Um, 29.42 for the 10, 64.54 or something for the half, and then 2.17.08 for the marathon. Yeah, so we're dealing with uh, quite a quick guy here, if you hadn't tuned in before to hear Josh's uh, story and PBs, but... I guess take us back to, um, well, I guess, a surgery 10 days ago, but um, take us back to what happened after World Champs and then how come you're having surgery again six months kind of past it? Yeah, so um, it's it's just a really tricky injury and it's it's really rare and no, well, not many cases seem to be exactly the same. So the, the advice that you get has just been really conflicting the whole time. Um, initially, they... They said to me, have a period of about six weeks in a moon boot um, and then kind of a period of like six weeks of walking and then building um, in some strength stuff slowly. Um, And at that point, I could start to do things like cycling and um, all that kind of stuff. Um, So I went through the first six weeks or so and um, I was progressing decently. And then when I got to that strength stuff, it was just too much and... Um, it just wasn't healing properly and I, I definitely took a backward step um, in that phase and it started to hurt quite a bit again. Um, at the same time, I'm getting advice from um, people in Launceston that like, by their own admission, like they've never really dealt with tailless um, injuries in sports people. So um, it's been hard for them to kind of give 
um, I guess, great advice. And then I've got people in Melbourne as well kind of overseeing it. And those professionals, um, you know, they're busy. They've got um, their own cases and stuff that they're working with. And, and they're kind of touching base like every so often. And so it got to the point um, after that setback where I, I had to be back in the moon boot again um, and the Melbourne docs saw um, some of my MRIs and CT scans from, like, November, and that's when they thought, oh, okay, it might be best for you to go into surgery here because the bone's just not healing as well as we want it to. Um, and with the, the little crack there, it's hard to really differentiate um, on the MRIs whether it's um, going well or not so well, and it was only once we got those really kind of high-level professional opinions that... They suggested that surgery would be the, the right move forward in terms to uh, in terms of getting back on track, hopefully. Yeah, it sounds messy. It sounds like, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you go to world champs, you have pretty good doctors and physios and um, all that support there when you're representing Australia, but then you come home and it's like, do you have to find your own way a bit and kind of sort out your local uh, physios or doctors or whatever and then try to manage these people in Melbourne as well? Yeah, it's it's pretty much spot on. Um, and like my team's awesome, but it's it's just I guess not being in a team sport as well like, makes it hard because you know you've got your physios, you've got your doctors, you've got the TIS, um, you've got all those people trying to liaise with you. And at the same time, like none of them have really dealt with tailless injuries um, as well, so they're a bit unsure and they're trying to talk to each other to me. And then you've got the, the really kind of professional guys that have dealt with a couple of these injuries um, that, as I said, like they're busy, they've got their own stuff on, that they're kind of interacting, um, I guess, a little bit less frequently. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're the ones that um, that uh, I should be listening to and the Lonnie um, crew um, are fully in agreement with that. Um, and then it's just the tailors as well. Like you read some academic articles and... You know, some some people, everyone's got through fine, and then other articles, the success rate of coming back from this injury is none. So it's just re- it's just a really unknown, I guess. Well, I remember you telling me uh, last time that you kind of took the risk in the race and did the team doctor at London say that, you know, um, this is a risky kind of injury to be dealing with? Yeah, he said it was a risky kind of injury. Um, I don't... You know, you can't really say definitively, but I don't really think that the decision to run has changed anything to this point in the rehab. And I know um, on the positive side, I'm certainly sitting here right now knowing that I got that singlet and I got that opportunity. So I think that's that's definitely something that I'm really happy that I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, how you going with dealing with like, the whole medical system and stuff? Like that do your head in a bit or of, like the TIS um, doing that all for you? Uh, again, it's... It's been a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest, mate. Um, like, it's dealing with a lot of different people. Like the the GPs in the GP in Lonnie has been amazing. Like getting me in just on the, you know, I flick him a message and he's like, "Oh, come in today. We'll sort you out for ten minutes," kind of thing, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, physio Taz, um, they're my physio. They sponsor me as well, so they've been really good as well. Um, and also the TIS, they've helped out. Um, with some financial stuff as well, but just it's it's just the combination of it all that's really hard to to kind of communicate between all the involved people. And then 
Um, at the same time, like this surgery was obviously pretty expensive, and I don't have private health, so um, it's kind of like that. Um, does the insurance from the Athletics Australia cover it because you injured yourself while you're overseas? And then I'm trying to sort that out right now because I think I should be able to get some help um, in that regard. Uh, but at the same time, like it's hard then liaising with the relevant people at the um, insurance company and Athletics Australia as well. Yeah, I could imagine you just start racking up phone calls and stuff and trying to get everyone on the same page. Yeah, pretty much. And then at the same time, like I'm in a bit of a lazy mood in terms of like admin type stuff, which hasn't been helping, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the motivation's probably not there as well, is it? Like it's just yeah. kind of a, a side job and you kind of can't be yeah. bothered writing back to emails and um, yeah, calling people and being on hold and all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And it's not not that I'm not a motivated person, but it's just that I'm like, oh, that can wait a bit and then one day passes and then, you know, what it's like, another day passes and kind of forget about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did they give you a percentage-like chance that, um, like, the first thing, was it like, yeah, this is a 60% chance it's going to help out or, you know, and then lead into surgery? Probably the only percentages that I've got were prior to surgery. Um, the surgeon, who's obviously in Melbourne, um, he said that he's probably dealt with um, maybe like more than five, less than ten um, tailor stress fractures in his time, um, which is pretty low considering mm. how qualified he is as a very good surgeon. Um, and he said that you know somewhere between probably two thirds and three quarters have have come good. Um, whether or not that means back to a hundred percent of w- what you were before, I'm not sure. But then. Also, one of the, um, I don't know if it was the assistant surgeon or the, um, one of the guys that was involved in the surgery anyway, he said that he's seen good outcomes, so that was positive, but at the same time, like doing, with some of the research and stuff I've done about it, um, it's case by case, and it's, I don't know, like that, my running future is so unknown right now, it, it could be, you know, I'm back to normal by the end of the year, running 100%, it could be I never run the same again. Um, it's yeah, I really don't know. Yeah, and how's your headspace with that? Like, is that like worrying, scary kind of thing? Um, it should be. I, I think I've handled it really, really well, to be honest. And I, I don't even, I can't even tell you why, mate. Um, like it, it doesn't bother me as much as it should. Um, given that running, like as you know, is pretty much my life. Like I've sacrificed a lot of stuff in. Yeah life to to kind of try and make a world champs team and things like that um i don't know whether it's just my kind of my makeup as a as an individual that that i'm pretty easy going and i don't let that stuff get to me or if it's the fact that i'm i'm semi-satisfied if that's it as well i think that's definitely a, a a good factor um you know like if that's it then i can deal with um, what I've been able to achieve and be pretty happy with it. Um, but then at the same time, like, I'm sitting here now and I'm, I'm really motivated to, um, like, I've got goals that I want to get back. I want to get back to the world champs and redeem myself, you know. I want to want to try and make an Olympics, although the marathon standards picked up a lot since we last chatted even. Yeah, um, but even, like, that world half team, and I know we've spoken about that in the past, like, your name would have been on that list if you were injury-free after London, you'd like to think. So, yeah, it's. I was listening to your Inside Running podcast the other day, and it would, I reckon it would have been interesting between Tom 
an eye for that last spot because I've ran a few seconds quicker than Tom for the half, which I think Cole Reavy has as well. Um, but then Tom's marathon kind of, you get why he's picked because he's ran 2.14 and he was number four in the order. So I reckon I'd be in that discretionary spot because um, obviously the other four are, I think the other three uh, are a step above, and then Dijon's earned his time with his time. With his half marathon, yeah. And I think we forgot to uh, we were a bit too focused. I'll listen back to that show because I had to do a few edits to that episode, and um, we were probably a bit harsh on Dijon looking at his five k and ten k yeah. time and uh, forgetting he's so far ahead with his actual what sixty four mid, I think he was. Uh, um, yeah, sixty four ten. Yeah, I, I when 10, I listened yeah. to you boys say that, that was one of the few things that I disagreed with because he's never. He's never been on the same level over the 5 and 10 and on the track as well. So he's 15K run, I think, at that C to C or whatever it was. Yeah. And then he's, I, think he, I think he definitely deserves a, a go at it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's when I said that kind of. I don't think Julian agreed with me, but I can see him being the top Australian over there. Like, he's a bit unpredictable and he could easy, uh, you know, have a big breakthrough run and, and be ahead of every other Australian on the line, I reckon. Yeah, like he... He's got a bit of that hit-and-miss aspect about him, but he's hitting it more often over the long distances on the road, that's for sure. Um, if he, I think he might have had a slight break over the Christmas period, but if he can get back and put in eight weeks at a high mileage, then I think that's the recipe for him to run well over there. Yeah, I reckon there's something like just something a bit wild about him. Like He's not afraid to kind of go out at a ridiculous pace and, and just back himself. And I think when you're in a race, you just need to... Sometimes just not thinking, just go on instinct and um, get out there and race some people. Yeah, he's always been like that, but it's just now that he's fit enough to be able to do it that it's working out for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, how are you coping with kind of like, you know, listening to running podcasts and checking the running news and not being able... And I know you were at Zadipec the other week. You did a bit of work for us, uh, getting some audio with the boys afterwards for Inside Running. But um, yeah, how are you coping with being still immersed in it but not being able to do it? It's, it's a really good question, and it's something that I was actually thinking about um, before I came on, because um, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm, I'm involved slightly, but I'm not immersed. Um, like, your podcasts are the only podcasts I listen to um, regarding running, so, like, it's that's kind of giving me something every week, or, you know, I might have a bad week and then just catch up a couple of weeks later, Um which I probably did around the New Year time, but yours are the only podcast I've been listening to, so it's not like I'm I'm flat out with that. Um, and then I haven't really involved myself at all with any athletics locally, um, but at the same time, I guess probably a good a good way to summarise how much I've been involved is that the news you would talk about on your Inside Running podcast. Ninety percent of that I already know, yeah. But my knowledge outside of that is pretty limited like i'm not following it as closely as i was um if that makes sense yeah yeah. and touch on how you said before like your interactions on social media you've kind of like noticed a bit of a drop off there now that you're not performing at the level you were yeah so like before world champs was the biggest social media patch i've had like things were booming like i'd get i got 700 likes on a couple of facebook posts um which is pretty pretty solid like if i posted something today i'd probably get 100 i reckon um and then just there's not much to post about i guess as as an athlete who like i generally put myself out there there's just not much going on so there's not a heap to post about so you know i'll upload a cross training session to strava and i'll get about 100 kudos which is probably about 30 percent of what i was 
what I was getting back when I was running. Um, and then just, you know, just things like your Facebook inbox and stuff like that. Like, I'd have very random people messaging me like pretty regularly um, early last year, whereas now that's kind of dropped off. And you kind of, you get it, but at the same time, you, you feel like, okay, if, if you were someone with slightly... Um, Oh, probably not the same easygoing nature and um, someone who was probably a bit more upset about this, then you'd, you'd probably be taking it pretty hard and I can get that. Yeah, well, look what it says about our society that we only, um, you know, reach out to people and want to follow them and hit like on their posts and stuff when things are going well. Yeah, I know. Like, I know likes don't really mean much, but you see Instagram, for example, like I'm I was getting 300 likes on a post, and now, you know, anything over 100 and I'm doing it okay. So it, it's interesting, for sure. Yeah, and have your followers, like, dropped off and stuff? Like, have people, like, clicked on Because I've done that on Strava before. Like, someone might be injured, injured for two years, and they put something up, and I'm like, oh, I'm still following this person. They're never going to get back to where they are. So I'll just, <laughs> like, click unfollow because I won't think it's yeah. uh, there's no value in following them anymore, which is it's not, well, a, it's not a personal attack on that person, but I'm like, well, I want to see what good well, runners in good form, what sessions they're doing, so I can yeah. use that as a bit of a yardstick. But at the same time... Um, yeah, I've done it as well. Oh, mate, <laughs> I've done it as well. Um, so I, I can't really talk. Um, I think on Strava, which is probably, that's probably a good indicator because people on Strava follow you for your running ability. Um, I think I was at about 2,770 or something when I got injured. Um, I noticed a couple of times it dropped by about five. Um, I think as we stand now, because I had a look before I came on, I think it's at about 27.80. So I'm yeah. sure I've lost quite a few followers, but I've gained 15 more um, or something like that. Yeah, but. but what about like friendships and stuff as well? Has there been people who have just kind of like slowly you know, dropped off because they don't want to associate. Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm building this up like it's like you've you got to die or something. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but have you noticed like a few extra, or I suppose maybe flip it, have you found some people come into your life as supportive that you probably wouldn't have uh, noticed um, if you hadn't got injured? Um, it's an interesting question. There are probably two ways I can think about that. Um, in terms of, supportive people that have come on board due to being injured um i'm probably going to say not really um there there on the other hand there have certainly been people that i've connected with a lot less since the injury um and, and that's fair enough like i'm i probably do the same like you congratulate someone after a good run for instance and then that's the only time you speak to them in you know six months or something till they do something good again um i guess that's just how it is but then on the other hand i think the different lifestyle that I've lived, um, I guess, since I've been running has enabled me to probably meet some, some people and uh, oh, probably a couple of examples of some supportive people that I've found that I probably wouldn't have found had I been living the standard running life. Yeah, so I guess, do you mean like you've jumped out of kind of the running circles and into probably more of a, a social circle where, where elite sport's not the um, be-all and end-all? Yeah, spot on. Like, there are... There are people that I've met over the last six months um, that I I don't think I would have met um, if I was how I was, say, six months ago. Um, and not necessarily people that I don't think I would have met, but 
like I've got a girlfriend now, for example, and I met her um, basically through cross training with um, one of my mates and his training group. Um, like she she just does it to keep fit kind of thing. And if I was out there running two hundred k's a week, I wouldn't be cross training and all that kind of stuff. Well, you mean like pool running or something? Just bumped into her at the deep end. Oh, uh, so we were we were up training at um, up at St Pat's College there. Um, my mate Jordan Tyler, good fifteen hundred metre runner. Yep. He had a tibia stress fracture, so we we pretty much pool ran together for um, eight weeks. And Geordie's coach David Ray um, was helping uh, my girlfriend out with just some kind of keeping fit and stuff like that. So um, she jumped in the pool um, for a bit, and then as we got a bit closer, she started doing more pool running and less running. So yeah, yeah and it all just blossomed from there. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Hey, uh, well, I guess maybe that leads into a good question about what are you replacing your time with? So, like, mate, is it all that cross-training? Like, I'm thinking you would have been hitting 20-plus hours of running or core or gym or physio or whatever it be. Um, you know, what are you doing with that extra 20 hours a week now? Yeah, that's um, it's really varied. So there's probably a few different phases of it. Um, I guess I, I don't think I did any cross-training for the first three, four weeks. Um, but then I started pool running, um, probably, probably f- at least five times a week. Um, I was probably cross training five hours a week at that point in the school holidays. It got up to maybe nine, um, when I could start doing a little bit of cycling for that brief patch. Um, so I guess in that school period, I probably worked a bit more for, um, a couple of months there, like instead of working two or three days a week, I was doing probably averaging four days a week, so that was taking up a bit more time. Um, instead of running in the morning before work, I just wouldn't worry, so you just have a bit of a sleep in. Um, and then on the other hand, as soon as you finish work, you'd go up and go to the pool and cross train. And so by the time you got home, it was a pretty standard kind of get home time anyway. So because um, you know when you got the pool, you've got to drive there, you've got to you've got to have a shower afterwards and get dressed and all that stuff that you don't have to do um with running so you, you're kind of in there for an hour but you're kind of at the pool for two hours if that makes sense yeah a lot um, different than just running at your front door and uh the yeah. run started within like yeah 30 seconds you're, you're moving yeah and then on the other hand like i definitely um supplemented a bit of those hours for focusing on the party scene um mainly on the weekend but sometimes in the week as well but that's um that's settled um a bit lately too probably not just because i've got a girlfriend now but um probably just because i'm trying to i've been a bit more serious about my weight and stuff like that which i'm actually pretty happy with yeah well maybe let's i'd have got that on a on a note here because you were you're on quite a big streak weren't you like how many weeks we're talking oh so there were there were a couple of different streaks the Last one was I'd been out or drank or um, whatnot. Um, I think it was 22, 23 Saturday nights in a row. Um, at one point there was, I, I don't know, it was I was doubling up, sometimes tripling up, um, you know, six, eight weeks in a row. And they, they've slowly, those streaks have kind, kind of ended. Um, and then because I missed that Saturday streak um, last week, on the Sunday night my girlfriend's, kind of um encouraged me she's like oh what if maybe you could just say it's you've drank at least once every week and so i actually had quite a few beers on sunday night so i've still got a technical streak that i've 
that I've done that, but um, yeah, I've I've definitely cut back on that. Um, but I've had some really good times and kind of just a different lifestyle, I guess. Like something that um, even as a runner, I could go out a fit like probably once a week or once a fortnight, and it wouldn't really affect my training if I didn't have a marathon in the next month or two. But um, I was just able to enjoy it guilt-free, and I didn't have to get up for that long run on Sunday, and um, which can be pretty tough work. Yeah, has it hindered the recovery though? Like you're one of our our best marathoners in 22 mm. weeks in a row. Like does that you know mess around with uh, the rehab of the the bone healing again, or did you get all clear to kind of let your hair down? Yeah, it's it's a good question, and I don't don't think there's really a you can't really say whether or not it, it is or not. Um, I, I personally, over the years, have, have never really found a correlation between going out and having a night um, and then impacting your running. But then, on the same hand, I guess if you go out on a night and you're on your foot all night, then, you know, if you've got a broken bone, even if you're in a moon boot, it's still probably not ideal. And so, I guess it's, it's hard to say. Um, but at the same time... You know, I was getting, I was getting a lot of happiness out of that, and so had I not been going out and having fun and enjoying the social scene, then I don't really know what I would have been doing, and I don't really know if I would have been any happier. So it's, I guess it's a bit of a balance um, between having fun, um, healing, um, and as I said, I don't know whether or not it's been an influence on healing or not. It may have been. Um, it may not, I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll put that on the flip side and just staying home and feeling sorry for yourself and having, mm. you know, very little contact uh, contact socially with people around your same age and then it's like that, oh, poor me, I'm injured and I can't go out. But, it, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting kind of balance. It, it is, and I think I've um, I've definitely, definitely cut that back a bit lately, which I think will be good. And now I'm on crutches at the moment, so, like, I... And I've had surgery. It's time, like, I've got to get this thing right. Whether or not it was going to heal or it wasn't going to heal pre, uh, prior to the surgery, I don't know. But I feel like just the fact that I've had that intervention now, like, I've got to do the right things to to get this right. And I, I, think, I think mentally that screw in my foot right now is a really good thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's almost like, yeah, you got through the first strike and now it's like, right, second strike, let's, let's attack this properly now. Yeah, yeah, not not necessarily that I wasn't attacking it appropriately to start with, but my mind was just always in that in that doubt. Like, is this thing actually getting better? Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I've heard people say that before about kind of um, moon boots and stuff. Like, you'd rather um, be in plaster and know it's going to heal six weeks later, rather than it's similar to kind of ligament damage and things like that as well, or your Achilles. Like, it's kind of like you'd rather break a bone and put it in place of six weeks and you know coming out of it's going to be fixed rather than all that doubting it. Yeah, well, you hope it's going to be fixed. And then on the on the flip side as well, um, you know, the physio has said, like, there's there's some justification for you to be without this moon boot, getting getting a bit more blood flow to that um, to that foot. And because the moon boot probably suits um, kind of weight through the heel, which is kind of closer to the injury as well. So... There's all those things that are just a bit unknown about it. So I'm kind of enjoying being on crutches. Actually, I'm not. I hate it. It's <laughs> terrible. But just the non-weight bearing, I feel like that can only do good things. 
Yeah, yeah. And what's the surgeon say? Like, what are they thinking? How many weeks and stuff now before you can test it out? Yeah, so again, it's a it's a case-by-case, case and we'll just play it um, as it goes. But the rough timeline that he's provided me with is, um, and I have to see him six weeks post-surgery, um, and I'll get an X-ray like the day or two before that. Um, so six weeks on crutches, no weight-bearing unless um, fully essential. I'm probably 10 days now, um, probably to the point where if I needed to, I could walk. Um he said, you know, if you get up in the middle of the night and you need to go to the toilet or you need to put a little bit of weight on your foot to, to make getting around the kitchen easier so you don't have to carry stuff on crutches, um, you know, then do that if it's um, if it's strong enough. Um, but, yeah, so six weeks on the crutches. Then he reckons six weeks back in the moon boot and then hopefully like six weeks of walking and then um, probably in the latter part of that building up some minor strength stuff and then hopefully we'd be given a green light sometime in winter to to be able to do some walk jogs it's a long time though isn't it winter like it's that'd be nearly 12 months out won't it yeah i know but you know having missed six months knowing that you've got so long ahead of you there's not much you can do you can't change it you just gotta just gotta be patient with it and you know if it's 12 months or 18 months or two years i guess the fire's still there for me to try and get back, so it's not really not really that important. I've just got to try and do the right things. Yeah, and, and I'm guessing you haven't locked in a comeback race and kind of set yourself lofty goals to be hitting this kind of mileage by this month or anything like that? Nah, like, I had to sit down with the TIS, um, oh, probably it was about September, I reckon, and, and try and set some goals based off the information I had, and, you know, I said to them that I'd love to go over to Europe and maybe try and run a 5-10k PB um, in their summer. Um, and if things went perfectly, I would have loved the opportunity to either go to World Half or to um, get back and race like our state champs or something like that. But, you know, that's completely out the window at this point. And I think the best thing for me is to not even worry about any of that stuff. The only the only two things I've got in my head right now, um, trying to qualify for Tokyo and then... You know, again, if things go really well, um, I'd love to qualify for Doha World Champs. I know um, the marathon standards went up, but I reckon a lot of people would forgo um, the chance to run in Doha um, at the World Champs, whereas, you know, I'd do anything to get that redemption if the foot was right. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not sure if our three marathon men from um, Com Games are going to be putting their hand up to go to Doha, so it could be a, a similar situation where, you know, similar to London, that, that next tier of athlete could get get a call up yeah so i i don't know like if if things go well and i i'm able to walk jog in june for example you know that might mean that i'm up to a decent mileage by the end of the year um and then i might be able to do like a lake biwa next year and qualify for doha but you know that's all just talk at the moment like i've got to get it right first and you know i might my my days might be done mate yeah, yeah, it's a, it could go either way, couldn't it? Like, it's, it's plenty yeah. of plenty of possibilities there. Hey, uh, I don't know how much you can disclose, but what's the relationship with the TIS like? Is that like a, you're on a couple-year contract or you've got to hit specific goals or times to keep the funding? Or it, Yeah, I'm not sure if you can go into details yeah. and talk us through that, but just for there's a lot of kind of, um, you know, guys like me who and kind of fun runners and general punters and just people banging out marathons on weekends and stuff like that that probably would love to know the ins and out of what it's like to be supported by an institute of sport. Yeah, it's 
it's a discretionary one. Um, so when I ran my qualifier at Lake Bewell last year, um, given the circumstances of how the marathon was playing out, um, and it looked likely that I'd go to London, um, so they jumped on board. And um, usually it's a 12-month contract, um, but I think I jumped on with like three months left in the contract, so they gave me a 15-month contract. Um, they supported me really, really well because I made world champs. Um, Just on that, though, Josh, does that do your head in a bit? Like, you've been slaving away by yourself for, what, <laughs> six, eight years, banging out huge mileage, like, some really impressive runs, and then you finally... Like, that isn't that when they need to be supporting you? Not, oh, you've made the team now, now we'll come on board and help you out? Um, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're spot on. I don't, don't want to say too much, but I'm really grateful for the fact that... Um, I'm on the TIS given this injury. Like, like I right now feel like I'm a bit of a liability. Like all I've done for the TIS, and whether you know they could have picked me up earlier, I, I suppose. Um, and all I've done for them is run a half marathon PB and then um, DNF at World Champs and then be injured for a year. So um, I haven't done too much for them, but I'm really grateful for their support. Um, yeah, the, the question probably, yeah, it wasn't directed just at the TIS, but it's probably that whole, I think over in the States or the UK, it's like that lottery funding where it's kind of if you're top five in the world or whatever, you get all the funding, yet there's all these guys who are ranked eighth and tenth and trying to get there, but they can't get there because they don't have the funding to be able to train full time. Yeah. It just, uh, on paper, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, like I, I got to the world champs on my on my own. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, so going back to what I was yeah, saying, sorry, like, yeah, you're right. Um, they gave me above and beyond support to help with the world championships, um, which I think they they do for people that um, get in the teams. Um, so that was fantastic. Like to be on there for three months and to get the support that I got was was awesome. Um, and then so I'm currently uh, I've got till the end of the financial year with the TIS, and then I guess it gets reevaluated. Um, and I guess that'll be to their discretion whether or not um, I get to go uh, get to go around again. Like I would, I would like to think that given that I haven't had an opportunity to to prove myself, that I'd get another year leeway um, to get myself right. Um, but I guess it's um, with an injury of this severity, like they've probably got every every right to doubt that I'll I'll come back. So whatever they decide, I guess in June um, I'll. I'll be okay with, but yeah, I'd definitely like to give myself another, I'd love to have another year uh, to prove myself that I can get back, um, and at the same time, the, the situation of the marathon has changed a bit, like we had 11 guys qualify this time, um, and I think I was number six, so like I've dropped down a dropped down a spot or two now, so um, that would come into their, their consideration as well. Yeah, and is all their consideration and criteria all on elite sport, or like if you're you know, a bit further down the rankings, but, you know, going to volunteer at Parkrun every third week or you're doing some great stuff with in schools in Tassie and being a good ambassador in your local community, like, does that have anything to do with it? It's just all, you know, times, ranking, that's all we're looking at. So I would suggest with someone like the TIS, it's times, ranking, um, whereas, you know, with Brooks or something like that, like, they they appreciate all that kind of volunteer stuff and, you know, Brooks, Brooks are... Um, aware that I haven't been able to get myself out there. Because, to be honest, the only really social media posts I could do right now on, say, Instagram 
people would see right through it that I'm just plugging the sponsors for plugging the sponsors' reason, if that makes sense. Oh, mate, that does my head in too. When you see yeah. So, yeah, a strategically um, placed drink bottle or a shoe in yeah. your hand, which I get, people are doing that to promote their sponsors. But, yeah, sometimes it's way too corny. It, yeah, it's like for me, like the the way I promote my sponsors is is when I'm when I'm racing, when I'm doing things well, and that just shows from the the amount of posts that I guess I churn out um, when I'm going well. But you know, Brooks emailed me last week and said, "Oh, we've got this opportunity. Um, someone wants you to write a blog potentially." Um, you know, going through some of your highs and lows, like we thought you'd be perfect for for the job, like just things like that um, are, are really good to help, like sponsors like that, and they they get more out of kind of that community stuff, whereas the TIS, it's pretty cutthroat. And, um, you know, you got me here in Tassie running 217 um, on the TIS, whereas um, those guys in Victoria, like Moose, for example, with his 218, his qualifier, um, you know, he's probably not getting the VIS at the moment. Nah, he'd hate the VIS. The VIS would hate him too, I reckon. He'd end end up stabbing someone at the VIS or annoying him. Um, Back on Moose, though, like, uh, he always loves asking people about this. Whenever he does an interview, he always asks about contracts with shoe sponsors and do you have to do, like, is it in your contract that you've got to do X amount of Instagram posts? I know he asked Pat Tin and that, and he spoke to his mate Blake about that, and even Selma, like, is that... In your, is there a dot point in your contract that you must have that social media presence and, and do that? Well, social media presence is, is vital to the to the sponsorship, but there's no there's no disclosure that says you need to post X amount of pictures. Um, I, I know some of my friends in the running scene have applied um, to certain companies and they've been rejected due to lack of social media presence. So, um, yeah, while... While there's no number of, of things that you have to post or anything, you certainly you got to tr- be a good role model and um, be someone that can promote the brand a bit. That's an interesting one, though, isn't it? I was talking to uh, you know Zach and Newman. He's in marketing, and we we're talking yep. about this the other week that you can have a you can have a stack of followers on some of these networks, but then your engagement's actually really low. Mm. I don't know if it's just like you know bought followers or bots or whatever it is, but yeah, there's people out there who got three or four thousand followers on Instagram. They put a photo up and get 150 likes, and you're like, well, you know, isn't it better to have 500 followers and get you know 100 likes? It's uh, yeah, it's that engagement thing, and sometimes I think we get hold, held up in the overall numbers and don't look deep enough to, to see how much engagement those posts are actually having. Yeah, and then um, it's it's a really good point, and then I think also the um what social media you're engaging with the fans is important too. Like I reckon um, the social media companies themselves probably don't really, ah, sorry, the um, the sponsorship companies themselves probably don't realise as much. But for me, like I reckon the best one for my sponsors would be Strava. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, I don't reckon your companies are out, or your, your medium level companies are out there thinking that. They're probably like, oh, he's, he goes all right on Instagram. I post a few tweets here and there, but the the people that actually really care about running that will go out and buy the shoes, they're probably the ones on Strava, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think that as well. And I was though, like, it's a bit biased, but I think the podcasting world's actually massive as well because you're actually getting people who are going out of their way to click download. They're going to listen to it when they're running, and it's like. You know, you're talking of way more thousands of people than you are on a on a Strava post or an Instagram account as well. It's kind of like everyone who's clicked on it is 100% decide to click on it, so you got the engagement there. And yep. um, yeah, you're obviously talking about running stuff as well, which I'm sure that uh, you know marketers aren't quite up to date with the podcasting world yet. 
Yeah, uh, the podcasting one's interesting. Like, I haven't thought too much into it. Probably my my thoughts on it go as simple as if you chuck your podcast up to Facebook, like, you don't get many likes compared mm. to if you post a photo. Um, but the people who want to listen to it, if you put it on all your social medias, you know, they're going to download it. They're going to go for a run. They're going to listen to it. So yeah, it's an interesting one for sure. Like, you, you mightn't get that that face value likeage, I guess, but um, you're probably still going well from your downloads and things like that. Yeah, and it's probably just comparing the right numbers. So, for example, like our Inside Running page might have 350 like, likes on Facebook and we might get 50 likes on a post, yet we might get 3,000 downloads like the day it comes out of the show. So it's just like, well, you got 350 here if you're just looking at Facebook posts, which makes us look pretty ordinary. Yeah. 3,500 runners have probably decided to listen to our podcast while they're running. Yep, exactly right. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd yeah, find that hard to pitch to a sponsor because they're probably not up to date with what a podcast is or how much value you can actually have. But yeah, it's one thing we've been uh, just digging into the last couple of weeks for our product reviews and things like that, which has been interesting looking at some of the numbers. Yeah, no, you boys are you boys are doing a great job. Um, as I said, it's the only they're the only podcast that I've been listening to. So yeah. obviously doing something right, mate. Well, as we said before we started recording, we just got to keep the moose uh, a bit less loose, so we don't have a lawsuit coming against us in the next coming weeks. But um, yeah, we might have to suspend him for a week, I reckon, and just give him a week off. A week off just to uh, yeah, I don't know. We've got to got to come up with a plan for the the wise man there. Mate, hey, you don't you don't want people to tune out though. True, exactly. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a good balance yak there. Hey, I'm going to Japan in a couple of weeks. Tell me, uh, tell me about Japanese marathon experiences. I've, I've spoken to you before about Lake Biwa, but what should I expect going over? Oh, Japan, love it. I've been there twice. Never been there for a holiday yet, and I, I want to get back. Both running races I went to, I kind of flew over, got there the Thursday, race Sunday, and then back home. Um, but both were brilliant experiences. They, um, the organisers of the race set you up. Um, just really well um i'm not sure the uh, how i i heard on the podcast that you're getting looked after and flown over so i assume you'll get some good treatment um prior to the race there um the conditions this time of year yeah, it's gonna uh, be cold it's gonna yeah it's gonna be cold that'll be great for a marathon mate like you you know you don't want to be out there training 40 degrees <laughs> well i liked it last <laughs> last week going to hobart because i've been training like you know probably i don't know 25 30 ish kind of thing afternoon runs have been like 38 and stuff but going to hobart it was like 10 degrees when we started and everything just felt easy and i think that's got a lot to do with the, the weather dropping back down yeah i um i know last year like i came off that falls creek block and you know i was used to summerish type temperatures and Got over to Japan and I was just back in my element when it cooled down. Um, you know, your heart rate's just chilled. Every, all your body responses are feeling pretty good. Um, but on, yeah, I'm not sure in terms of your race, the quality and stuff. But being a Japanese race, I'm sure there'll be plenty of depth there, mate. So I'm excited for you. I reckon you'll have a good experience. And if you do all those things that you've you've said on the podcast, like the low expectations. Um, all that kind of stuff, and then you know, plan to run a negative split. Then I reckon you could even surprise yourself because you've you've put in a couple of good runs. Like your Steigen was was better than what you were tracking before Berlin, and then your half marathon in Hobart sounded pretty easy. So yeah, I don't want to put too many expectations. Don't jinx me, but yeah, no, I'm feeling good, mate. As you said, like low expectations, and just looking forward to experience it. What about um, how did you go like carb loading and stuff before? It was like you know standard food accessible or were you 
were you finding that difficult to find find stuff you could understand what it was reading the packets? Um, oh, a bit of a mix. Like you, if it's set up well, you'll get some kind of meal. I'd assume um, set up by the organisers, like um, the day before the race. Yeah, so, I've got that all the day before. Yeah, I've just got some emails this week about all that stuff. Yeah, so that kind of stuff kind of takes care of itself. Um, and then I don't know. I just like to get down to like the closest supermarket or shopping center nearby and just have a look for some familiar looking stuff really um and i've i don't think i've been someone that's overdone the carb loading like i've definitely tried to increase the the percentage of carbs in the couple of days before the race but you know i haven't been you know dying to to get my hands on a bit of pasta or something like that, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to go do that thing that Dano did. Did you hear him talking about it? Like, he's yeah. on the tree. Yeah, I um, got off that Skype interview, and I was just like, we've got to ring this physio, like, uh, or dietitian. And, yeah, so I'm kind of booked in next week to do that. And it sounds real legit. Like, yeah, they take bloods before and after, and they prick yep. you every 20 minutes, and you yep. chuck the mask on, and it kind of gets your breath. And, like, yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to actually getting a personalized plan that says – this is what you burn, this is how much you sweat, this is what you need to replace yourself with, this is yep. this is the Brady fits all thing, instead of kind of, I've dealt with some dietitians and stuff in the past, and they've been really good and I've learnt stuff, but I still think that's a matter, my three marathons, I've just ran out of gas the last 6K at, at just different levels. Yeah, I, one thing, I'm, I'm the least qualified guy to give nutrition advice, but... And well, I what, what do you do? Tell us what you do. Oh, hang on, just, just quickly, Sorry, yeah. I'll, <laughs> just one, one bit of advice... Um, I, I assume you're going to be in a lab and stuff like that, and um, I don't know whether your um, advice will be given on the temperature in the lab compared to your your race in Japan. You yeah, might they, they can set the, yeah they can set the temperature to whatever I want it to be. Okay, so yeah, just yeah, whatever advice they give, make sure to use it in temperature specific. Um, means because a marathon in five degrees is a whole lot different to a marathon in 25 yeah yeah because i first said that to the guy i'm just like you know it's going to be cold over there we can't and he wanted to do it at the middle of the day and i'm like if it's going to be 35 degrees in a lab um i'm like (laughs) this is going to give us completely different data than what you know berlin might look like or what nobioka might look like in three weeks time um but he's like no no you can find out you choose what we set it at and we can but it was a bit of a like I'm not sure whether to go in and say set it what it's going to be like in Japan, or go for maybe something in the middle. So then we can use that same plan for when we go to Berlin later in the year. Definitely, definitely do in the middle, mate, because yeah. then you, you'll have a rough idea for how you can adjust it um, up or down depending on you know if you on I guess you, you, unless you're making teams, you're probably not going to be doing many marathons in in heat. But um, mm. I'd probably set it to a Berlin type um, yeah i was thinking that maybe like a 14 or something like that just yeah and And maybe kick it up as we go yeah um for your for your cold races um in terms of what i what i've done um you know i think i've said a few times um until biwa things hadn't clicked at all um in in that regard whether it be nutrition um or other factors but um things just went really well in biwa it wasn't too it wasn't too complicated either. I think I just had, um, what a, Jesus, mate, like I've got a hundred gels just sitting in the other corner of my room that haven't <laughs> opened. Like it's, it's been a while since I've even thought about this stuff. Um, oh, what I have, I think I had, um, water with electrolytes mixed in, um, at say like 5, 15, 25, 35. 
and then water with a gel mixed in at 10, 20, 30, 40. Just something pretty simple like that. Mm. Um, and in Biwa, the conditions were pretty cool, and, you know, I could tell pretty early on that I don't think I needed to drink all of those late on in the race, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I think it was just a good day. Well, it's actually funny that um, I was talking I was talking to Zachary as well about this, about how little we actually invest in our nutritional plan. Like, we'll spend all these hours training these big marathon blocks doing all these Ks, and then we kind of, I don't know, most of us just expect to kind of do a bit of trial and error or just pick out the back of the gel box and see what that says. And, um, yeah, I kind of think that it's a good investment to do a test like yeah. this because it's going to hopefully set me up for, oh, I'm going to do, you know, hopefully I've got 10 more decent marathons in me and hopefully it can help me for all of them. Yeah, and no, I, I definitely agree with that. It's something that I'd love to love to get um and especially now that i'd, I'd have access to it if i get yeah. back um it would be definitely something worthwhile um you know because as you said it, until then it's all trial and error and you you have that many good training sessions and then even for me i've done a few training marathons and whatnot and things have went great but yeah so i, I don't know whether or not the the lack of physical performance on the bad days has been physical or nutrition or or what it's been, but um, it could definitely be a factor. Yeah, and a lot of the trial and errors in different weather and stuff too, isn't it? And different, you know, you might do a 30k session in cool weather and everything goes well, but it's only 30k and it's cool and you think everything's yep. fine and yeah, a whole lot of things change when uh, when race day rolls around. Hey, um, uh, yeah. as you know, mate, yeah, lots, just so many different factors in the marathon. Like if if you have a bad day, it could just be just one small thing. Mm. There are. There's like a list of 30 things that you've got to yeah. you've got to get nearly all of them right. Yeah, and I love how Dane said as well on Inside Running about, you know, the overseas ones, then you chuck in like another 10 things that can go wrong as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like I've had I've had some good um, experiences with some Australian marathons just kind of cruising around. Like they've always been positive experiences for me. Um, and I reckon part of that's just the low expectations and going out a bit slower, but yeah, they they can definitely be um, good experiences, like Dano said, and he obviously had a good one in Hobart. Yeah. Hey, uh, what's work looking like for 2018? Going to teach full time, or you're just going to keep doing the CRT? Or yeah, it's a it's a, it's a good question. Um, I definitely want to keep doing the CRT, so relief teaching for for the listeners out there uh, who aren't teachers and know that terminology. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I'm not really one, so it kind of kind of hit with me. Um. Yeah, so that's it's definitely a great lifestyle, and I, although I'm injured at the moment, like I, I still wanna I still wanna be pretty serious about it all, and and I don't feel like I'm ready to go into a full time job at the moment. Like I think, I think I've got some immaturity for my age um, in some regards, and I'm not quite ready for that yet. Um, and I I enjoy it, and I'm happy when I when I just relief teach. Um, but given the fact that I'm going to be on crutches the first probably month of the of the school year i've um been in talks with the principal at the school i do most of my work at and there there might be like a a part-time um gig for the first you know five weeks while someone's on long service um you know i'd definitely consider taking that up just because i reckon being on the relief list i'd probably drop down a couple of places due to the crutches and the limitations with them so if i could get some fixed work in um, that first month, then that would probably be in my best interest to take it. And then once I'm back in the moon boot, just go back to the relief teaching. Um, but um, it's a, it's an interesting question, the whole teaching stuff, because you know right now I'm on holidays and 
and when when you're not socializing and stuff it's and not running it's you have so much free time it's weird yeah it is isn't it it's kind of um yeah i think you sometimes need to know other people as well who aren't teachers and don't have that much free time to just realize how much free time you actually get and how good the holidays are because it really puts things in the in the context pretty quick yeah like you you think of my life right now when you know most of most of my best friends are not in tasmania right now like all the runners are elsewhere training um racing things like that um girlfriends on a holiday with a family in wa for a couple of weeks like there's only a couple of my best mates that are that are home at the moment it's it's really it's really interesting like i just don't have much on at all i'm not running i can't i can't cross train um I, I don't have any work at the moment. It's just literally just PlayStation, Big Bash, a bit of Australian Open, a uh, little bit of Netflix, and that's that's it. Oh, there's plenty of things you just listed there to keep you busy. They're, uh, they're, they're pretty entertaining things, yeah. Oh, I, I agree, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I do, yeah. Well, they're not like massively engaging and kind of purposeful life things that you're kind of uh, getting motivated to do, I suppose. Yeah, if people ask you what you're doing, you're like, nothing. <laughs> Netflix, yeah, you don't list all those things off. What do you do with your yeah. time? Yeah, I watch Netflix, Australian Open, Big Bash, and play PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess with all the ups and downs with 2017, if like, have you learnt like something significant about yourself? Like it, it must have been a really good opportunity to reflect and kind of just just figure out, you know, really who Josh Harris is when things aren't going quite as smooth. Well, they did go really smooth, but then then the uh, ups and downs, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird year, mate. Like, well, yeah, I, imagine I, this time last year. I know. I look back at my life from my whole life until last year, and I had basically no hiccups. Like. Everything was always, like, running was always progressing for the most part. Like, there are a couple of patches where they don't, but not not anything to worry about. You know, I was always happy and pretty settled um, in terms of my social, like, relationships, things like that. Um, and then last year was just the biggest roller coaster. Like, like as you'd know, like, I broke up with my four-year girlfriend, and that hit me pretty hard. Um, then, like, a week later, qualified for world champs. Um, had the best running patch of my life while I was still, you know, being pretty social on Saturday nights um, leading up to Worlds. Things are going awesome, running PBs, and then get to Worlds and break my foot. Um, and then after that, like, I've had the best running year of my life. I've had the worst running year of my life. I've had the best social year of my life. I've had the worst social year of my life all in one after being so steady for so long. So... It's it's definitely been a year to think about and reflect about, and it's it's an interesting one when you when you mention about like who is Josh Harris without running because mm. like I still I still don't have a full answer for that like because I I obviously haven't given up on running it's still it's still my full ambition to to get back to where I was but I, I've definitely learnt that um, a setback like this which you know I think it's as bad as it's going to get in terms of my running career like it's defining it's either it could cause me to stop um but i've been fine like i I've, and i don't even know why like i'm not a big i don't know i'm not a big reader like to of books to like mentality books and things like that but i'm really happy in myself with the way i've been able to cope with this and deal with it like I, I'm. I don't really know what I'm saying right now. It's just flowing out, but 
I'm pretty. I feel like I'm a pretty resilient person um, in that sense, which is which has been good to know. Um, in terms of my injury, uh, hindsight's an interesting thing. Like I've had time to reflect on when this first started hurting in 2014. If I got this checked out straight away and had you know eight weeks off, does it come good? And do I then not really have any issues with it? But on the flip side, do I miss a big block of training at some point in the last three years and never qualify for world champs and not make the team? Like there's there's so many ifs and buts. But um, you know I could have got it checked out earlier, but I mightn't have made the team. Um, now I've made a team. Um, I want to make another one, but my foot's pretty cooked. So that's it, definitely been time for reflecting. And you know, depending on your mindset on the day, you have pretty mixed thoughts, but. My motivation's still really strong, um, and as I said, I'm pretty happy with the way I've been able to deal with it. Um, and I think one thing that has made me really happy um, that I didn't really know would be the case prior to injury, I thought I'd get fat. Um, like, I'm not I'm not the healthiest eater. Like, I, like it's, my diet's probably pretty moderate, I'd say. Um, like, not not too unhealthy but not the healthiest runners diet out there but you know since i've got back from europe i've put on like two kilos in like four or five months and i'm so happy with that like i think i could live a normal life for for now anyway and not be fat which that makes me really happy it's pretty amazing (laughs) isn't it two kilos like and you're a guy who was doing you know 200 plus k's a week kind of thing so high mileage burned a lot of calories you're not doing that at all anymore and you're still uh you know, two kilos around race weight. I, I must say the, the five that went on before I got home from Europe as well. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I was probably about 61, went up to 66 by the time I got home. And, you know, when I weighed myself a couple of weeks ago, I'm 68. And I think um, I think the pool running, although, like, I I feel like it's just better for the for the muscles. Like, it, it, I look better. Um, like, I could be doing not much and I'd probably just look a little bit sloppy. I'd probably still be the same weight, but I think the pool running, the repetitive nature of it, and some of those arm and core muscles and whatnot, I'm pretty happy with the, the way my body looks, I guess, which is a good thing. Mm. Hey, uh, you did touch on uh, hindsight there as well. If there's some listeners out there, and it's kind of hard because you can't warn everyone against every injury, but in hindsight, were there things that you just felt were different or you know, tiny little things that you noticed about your body that didn't seem to click that people might be out there, you know, jogging now and they've had a niggle for a while and they're half thinking about it, but it's not really doing their head in that much that you could maybe just offer a bit of advice for for someone who's been in that situation. Yeah, well, as you know, mate, like I had the reputation of being the most resilient, like injury-proof runner going around. So it's it's really hard and it's not something that I've had to had to deal with in the past. So... Um, for those that don't know, this injury to my talus has kind of bugged me since 2014, but it it was only it would just warm up and it would go away, so I never really worried about it too much. Um, and obviously, the talus is such a strong bone that it took that long to actually really break it. Um, I, I don't think I can give good advice on um, on general niggles. Probably just just be smart like if you miss a day of training like you'd rather do that than miss a year of training um get on top of that stuff when you can and you know obviously if you've got a really important race coming up 
you know, sometimes you have to run through those kinds of things and bite the bullet. But if if your yearly plan is in the early phases, you can afford to take some time just to get that body right. Um, and I I don't know what I'd do again. Um, as I said, if I didn't keep running through for four years, I mightn't have got that singlet. So we we don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you think there's something in that? I was talking to um, Andy Allison about the other week and Zach as well when I was rooming with him down in Hobart. Like those days, you know, you occasionally get that day where you've got to warm your foot up on a on a golf ball or you've got to do the 20 minutes of the foam roll before you can get out of the bed or walking to the toilet when you first get up is like you're an old man and like your foot like – and then it becomes like, oh, yeah, that happens three days a week and then that happens every day a week and then that's just who you are. And I know you said you're resilient, yeah. but sometimes your resilience might not be uh, – or might be more of a disadvantage than an advantage. Yeah, that basically that timeline that you said, like looking back, you don't think about it at the time. But I'm sure the first day that injury happened back in 2014, I'm sure it wasn't, like, it didn't get much worse. And I know this from, like, probably mid-2015. But um, in that first 12 months of the injury, I'm sure there was a point where it escalated and I just thought, oh, well, um, you know, we can we can deal through this. And then I got to the point where it's just part of my life. Yeah. yeah it, you're very right, like definitely. The injury is always four out of ten, but you just get yeah. better at dealing with the four out of ten injury until <laughs> something snaps or breaks or whatever it is. Yeah, and and I guess the bad thing in with this one was um, obviously it's a serious bone, but the four out of ten injury when I woke up in the morning becomes a zero out of ten mm. injury five minutes into every run. Yeah. And so you, you finish every run on top of the world because, you know, your last K's bloody two minutes quicker than your first and you're like oh geez like i'm feeling good and so you go back inside after you run and you're feeling good because your body's good and you kind of forget about it again until you do your pre-warm-up exercises to just to get yourself out the door in the afternoon yeah i think there's plenty in there for the listeners if you're experiencing any of those kind of symptoms yeah <laughs> definitely just yeah step back and i think sometimes you've got to look at that from the outside it's just not you like yeah when yeah. people tell me it takes me oh this long to get to the toilet and I run, you see you're on Strava like people do their first K at six minutes because they just need to do that to get moving. It's like well, not normal. Yeah, just let you know that's kind of not normal to be doing that kind of stuff and something must be going wrong and you just you're just coping with it. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, has your life mantra changed? I would have asked you in the very first episode that we did what your mantra is, and I try to ask everyone, and it's good to kind of get people on repeated guests just to see that. See that uh, what they're what they're thinking now. What was the first one you told me? Can you remember? I'm just trying to think, mate. I, <laughs> <laughs> it would have either been something about consistency or 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 being trying to just not take not trying to worry or stress too much about about little things. I reckon it would have been something along there. And I don't know. I think I think given the fact that I'm co- well, I feel like I'm coping pretty well considering the injury. I feel like that probably still rings true today um i guess you can't you can't change the past um you know you just got to deal with what's happened and um learn from it and try and do the right things to reach whatever your goals are i guess yeah spot on because yeah you've spoken about that so many times you've dropped it in like if you could change your past would you because it may have changed where you ended up and it's um yeah super important not to do that Hey, uh, you said you're not a reader, so you're not going to recommend any books, but if you've been watching any good docos or what are you watching on Netflix, give the listeners something they might be able to uh, hit up. Oh, mate, like, this is a bad question Ooh. for me too because I've, I've always been more of a PlayStation guy than Netflix, and I'm basically 
um, basically delving into the Netflix world now that I've now that I've got a girl. So um, I basically give her the the controller and and she can choose what she wants to watch. So in terms of Netflix, I'm not going to recommend any <laughs> anything there. Um, and she's to to be perfectly honest, I'd love if some of the listeners that um, might have um, some interest in the PlayStation. I know there are a couple based on some tweets I've got over the last year or so. If you can recommend me some good games at the moment, I'd really love that because I'm getting pretty tired of the same sporting games over and over that don't don't really evolve from year to year. So if you can give me some ideas for some new PlayStation games, then I'd I'd really welcome that. <laughs> help him out. Not only that way, help him out. Hit him up on the social media as well because we want to let the world know that Josh Harris isn't dead just because he's not running. So, uh, how, many Twitter, how many Twitter interactions can I get in the next week? Yeah, I'm going to say that Twitter, actually, if we both shared on our own Twitter, let's see if we can get you up a few. Just let everyone know where to find you again, though. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> underscore Josh Harris on Twitter and Instagram. Um Josh Harris on Strava, but there's not heaps going on there at the moment, and there won't be um, for, for a while. And then I'm more than happy to accept people on Facebook and have a chat, um, a message, um, especially the next few weeks. I'd, I'd love to, to have some new chats um, with some people that I haven't interacted with before or for a while, so that would be good. Wealth of knowledge, 64-minute-half marathon guy, 29-10K and a 217 guy. Hit him up. There you go. Give him some love. He needs a... Uh, Needs a few more people in his corner, even when things aren't going good. I reckon the Tell Me a Tale family will be able to reach out to you for sure, mate. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on again. Love your work. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll keep chatting. We'll keep doing these. As, as I said before, we hit record. Like, we've inside running now. Probably a bit more responsible for running news. I just want to have chats with people and keep the listeners in the loop and kind of just do what I want over here on Tell Me Your Tales. And, uh, yeah, bring some good stories to people's ears, a bit longer interviews. And I'd be more than happy to keep catching up with you, mate, and keeping track of the journey. Yeah, same to you, mate. Like, good luck with the the Mario in a couple of weeks and and the season. It's oh, you're doing great things. So are the boys, and wish them well too. For Brad for Bwa, if he needs to um, hit me up for any advice, then feel yeah, free. True, and, I'll tell him that. What do you reckon he's got to run? Oh, he's. <laughs> I really like his um, his little unload week because, as I've spoken to you about in the past, I was unfit seven weeks out. Um, and he's in a better spot than I was at that point. And then I just loaded up big time this next six weeks um, and I got the job done. So uh, I, I don't want to put any pressure on him, but I like the way he's moving. And yeah. then um, I like the way he's doing that hills, those hilly tempos and stuff where you might only hit 330s, but yeah, you're working hard on the hills. Yeah, and then he's focusing more on the process than the outcome, which I think is definitely, um, definitely important. And hopefully on the race day too. And then Moose, Moose is ideas in regards of trying to um, develop some of those um, efficiencies at the shorter distances basically exactly what i've got to do to become a 2 212 to 214 guy myself so he's basically doing what i want to do so yeah good luck to all your boys thanks mate love your work as i said the listeners reach out to josh and uh, tell him you heard him here and yeah that'd be fantastic thanks again mate no worries mate see ya Hey guys, it's me again. I haven't done one of these uh, one of these outros for a long time, but I thought I would just let you know that I uh, I read a really good book last week, and if you're looking for something to read, I think you'll get a lot of value out of Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. 
really good book and really enjoyed it. And also Frank Shorter's book, My Marathon. I think I spoke about it on one of the podcasts going around somewhere. But yeah, two really good books. And if you've got a bit of spare time or looking for something to read, I really recommend that. Hope you enjoyed that show with Josh Harris. Um, as always, more details at BradyTrailFull.com. And yeah, enjoy whatever you got going on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.